Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast, Take the Black. I am your host, Razor. You can find me on Twitter at house underscore Razor. And I'm here with my two co-hosts, Isis and Luke. Isis, say hello to everyone out there. Hey, guys. How are you? How are you doing? You can find me on Twitter at I-J-A-M-E-L-T-O-N. And you can also find me on Tumblr at superhero-omightyisis. That's right. If you're into superhero stuff like Arrow, or if you're into cool things like Outlander, yes, go check it out. Lots She's of got some Outlander. Stuff. Yes. <laughs> we also have uh, the always lighthearted and funny Luke. Luke, say hi to everyone out there. Hi to everyone out there. What did I tell you? A, a riot laugh a minute. Well, that's set up so, with uh, a lot of pressure. I. I well, I know. I no, panicked. You know. <laughs> that was not that's what I try funny. to do. I try to apply the pressure as the, as the podcast goes on. So uh, let's get right into things. Um, how, Luke, I want to ask you first, how, what were your initial reactions from last night's episode? I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I'm glad that Tyrion was headed to see uh, Daenerys. Um, I, I got to admit, man, I had a little... I had a little daddy moment when uh, the Stannis, Stannis and Tyrene? Was, yeah, when Stannis talked oh, to his oh, little yeah. girl, I was like, you know, I was like, man, this is some dust in this place. I had to <laughs> yell at the wife. So that was a tender moment for Stannis, and that's something that we we don't really get to see a lot of from that guy. I mean, he's such a rigid, uh, just he never smiles. He's always dr- grinding his teeth in the books. So to have that tender-hearted moment was just amazing. Like even the even the staunch book readers were like, "Wow, I don't think I could love Stannis anymore." Uh, that was a really cool moment. Even I got a little misty-eyed at it. Well, and the and the cool thing was is that it was such a such a contrast to, um, uh, dang, now that he's dead, I forgot his name. Um, Robert Targaryen. Oh, Targaryen. Uh, I mean, not tar- not not. Lannister, 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 not sorry. Lan- oh, Tywin, 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 Lannister. So like it, it, it they both have, uh, you know, they're both really powerful men. They both have uh, children with, you know, disabilities, as it were. It, you know, and <laughs> yeah, and then so. <laughs> you would have never heard that from him, you know, about uh, about Tyrion, you know. So yeah, it, no, in fact, the only the one time that Tyrion went up to him and said, "Hey, Dad." Like, are you proud of me? I, I feel like you're not, you know, whatever. He goes, I wish I would have killed you, you know, the day that you were born. So it was. Yeah, I mean, like, after the Battle of Blackwater Bay, Tyrion, after he gets healed up, comes to his dad and is like, hey, I saved the city. And Tywin's like, uh, you're my son. You're not supposed to get claps on the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't care. I don't care what you did. So, <laughs> no, yeah, no, there's, there is a stark contrast between Stannis and Tywin, which is, I'm glad you brought that up as a, as a show watcher, non book reader. Uh, I, it's, I'm glad that you picked that little subtlety up because in the books, there's not a lot of difference between the two. Um, some could even say that they're almost, mirror images of each other, although some would say Tywin is a little bit less honorable than Stannis, but Stannis has his own sort of dishonorable ways by cheating on his wife with Melisandre and killing his brother with the shadow baby, whatever. Um, uh, Isis, what were your thoughts on the uh, episode? Okay, best moment for me was possibly um, finding out that uh, Jorah is taking 
uh, Tyrion <laughs> to Danny and Danny and and him laughing about, well, like I was already going over there. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so thank you, thank you for saving me from being in that freaking box again and then how quickly Tyrion assessed the entire situation that was going okay. on and yeah. basically called him a bitch because it wasn't going <laughs> to end well for him and I absolutely <laughs> laughed my butt off on that part like I I don't know it was just so funny because like he literally did it in like seconds like he was like oh you must be Jorah and you must be the one that was uh, snitching on Daenerys and uh, you're taking me over there in hopes <laughs> to try to get in her good graces yeah that's not yeah. gonna go well for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> that absolutely to me was yeah. the best part now what I liked what I liked about that scene was it uh, balances quite nicely with what Tyrion does in the books. Is if he does it with somebody else, he does it with uh, these two people called the Griffs, Young Griff and Old Griff, and they're hiding a secret, which I will not reveal. But they're hiding a secret, and Tyrion takes about all of five minutes. He looks around, he assesses the situation, and he basically calls them out on what their real story is. And they're like, "How the hell did you figure that out?" You know, well, Tyrion's basically the smartest man in Westeros, and he's so observant because as a dwarf his entire life, all he's had to do is observe people. So people, you know, the people tend to look over the shortest guy in the room. So I thought that was a nice uh, callback to the books, although with different characters. Uh, but what else? I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please go oh, ahead. Oh, no. So, that to me was probably uh, the best moment uh, for me as far as a, a TV watcher. I am unsullied as far as I have never read, read the books. Um, but for me – Sure as the driven snow. Yes. Um, so for me <laughs> – for me, it was probably the best part of uh, of that whole section. I mean, there was a lot of great parts to it, um, but I think we're going to probably talk about most of them. So I don't want to take all of them. We will get into. But overall, we'll get into that I last, thought it was a great episode. We'll get into that last cliffhanger scene. I, but uh, I want to get your guys' opinion on that. But we'll wait till to the end of the show, maybe the mid part of the show, to talk about that. Uh, my favorite part of the, of the show last night was the interaction between Bronn and Jamie, uh, especially on the ship when, you know, Bronn's basically like, why aren't you sending an army? And, and Jamie's like, well, because I need to go rescue my niece. And Bronn says, your niece? Really? Is that what you're going to go with here? <laughs> like, we all know it's your, it's your incestuous daughter. We all know that. Uh, you know, I, I was looking forward to the interaction between uh, Bronn and Jamie ever since I heard they were going to be together in Dorne. Uh, as much as it's a departure from the books, uh, I enjoy Bronn so much. The actor that plays Bronn is amazing. Uh, Jeremy Flynn, I believe his name is. And he just brings – I mean, Bronn in the books is already an in-depth great character but he brings a certain dimension an extra dimension to the character that makes him so much more enjoyable and the fact that he's getting more time that with the fans just it just makes it so much fun for me and i'm a jamie fan i like jamie i like jamie's snarky uh witty sarcastic attitude um the only thing i don't like is they're really making him clumsy with his with his hands you know like he's in the books he's really work to overcome his his one hand like he's he he works and practices with another guy and he trains every night and like he comes back battered and bruised and bloodied but every night he gets better and it's like over over a period of months he just gets better and better and you would have thought that he's been practicing since what season when did he get his hand chopped off season two yeah three? i think it was season two season two well, whenever he got it chopped off as soon as he got back to king's landing he started practicing with Braun. And 
he's no better than what he showed in Doran. I mean, that was pathetic from the Kingslayer. Uh, I wasn't very happy with that showing because it takes basically – Jamie Lannister in the books is one of the most feared knights in all of Westeros. He's, he's a dangerous man. I mean, he's a guy who, who basically would have killed Ned Stark in the streets had – you know, had he not had any better sense, he would have, you know, he would have killed him. Uh, and Ned Stark was no pushover. So, uh, you know, Jamie, Jamie is a cocksure, swaggering badass. And even with one hand, he still, people still fear him. And to get pushed around, to use your word, like a bitch, uh, just wasn't very, wasn't very nice for me. But anyway, we got to see a lot of different things in this episode. They kind of – whereas episodes, episode one was a setup, a great base for the entire season, it felt like last night episode four was kind of a filler episode. I don't feel like we got – I don't know. I kind of feel like we took a step back as far as like intensity and, and, and sheer uh, – I don't know. I don't want to say sheer action because there was some action. I don't know. It just felt like a lesser episode to me. Oh, see, I but, disagree. What, what what do you feel was I mean okay how do you feel it was better I don't think I mean I'm not saying it was better I still think I just think it was a great a great episode and it may have been for the subtlety of the things um, mm. one of the biggest things and I know that Luke is gonna be like oh my God shut up about this okay <laughs> um, when and and by the way the Braun and Jamie Buddy show comedy I'm all for it I am oh, yeah. I am in but anyway um, when Jamie's on the boat and he's looking Looking at the island, and it's the Sapphire Island. I don't know if yeah. anybody picked oh, up on that. Yes. Yeah. No, that was that was a nice moment. That was a nice moment. And then when Bron was talking, about, uh, when Jamie was talking about how he, you know, wants to die and he wants to have a boring death because he had this crazy, amazing life, and Jamie just wants to die in, in the arms of the woman that he. That that loves him or he loves or whatever. Um, yeah. I thought that was a really poignant movie moment. Um, Melisandre wanting to have a second ghost baby or smoke baby, whatever. Um, that was so disturbing. It was disturbing, but it was so oh, awesome really to hot. super hot. Well, see, I did not get the hot vibe. From I, I didn't got the, either. It was I, got, I got the I got the grossed out like. John clearly was not having any of that of the fire crotch, and he was like, you know, back off. I don't want your, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't want to give you any of the, any smoke. You didn't want to get to know the Lord of Fire. Yeah, he didn't want to get to know the Lord of Fire intimately. But the fact, and she just kept pushing it, and I was like, oh, come on, stop already. Yeah, I was. It, was, it made me a little queasy, but it, I was really happy because he was just like, yes, you know. Um, but it, it just shows that he still loves. Um, um, what's her name? Ygritte. Ygritte. Yes, his his. That was poignant as well. Like the moments with Jon Snow this season have been very uh, impactful and poignant. Uh, from from his talk, his last talk with Mance, to actually killing Mance, to uh, him being elected uh, Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, his conversation with Stannis, uh, and then last night's episode. He's just. They've stepped up the Jon Snow's game. This, I, this I'm season. so glad because it was so weak last year. And uh, but then oh, I see. I don't. I don't think he's had a weak season yet. Really? I think he's been strong. Oh, yeah. No. See, yeah. I, I didn't. I and that may, that may be my that may be my uh, partialness for Starks and for the things in the North. But 
I don't know. I I think that he's been strong ever since the series started. Well, you may be right, but I thought also, and this is like as far as the whole text throughout the whole entire show, I thought there is a narrative that they are trying to talk about, about maybe where John really came from. And mm. that's where I was really – my ears perked up because we see Stannis talking to his wife, who's a bitch, um, and talking about, you know, mm. oh, well, he's just the bastard of some tavern slut. And he's like, perhaps, but that wasn't Ned Stark's way. And uh-huh. uh, Melisandre talking to John as well and uh, talking about his great power and, you know, uh, she would need someone with – a king's blood when she's talking to John. Um, yeah, you don't. She wouldn't mess. Look, think about who who she's had sex with in the show so far: Stannis and Gendry. Gendry was Robert's bastard, therefore he had king's blood in him. Mm-hmm. So, if we're using that as a as a compass, as as a guide, it would make sense that John's got that she thinks John's got some royalty in him somewhere. Yeah, and then Sir Barristan Barristan is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, was yes. talking about. Uh, uh, Rhaegar about his character and everything to Danny, and that you know how he was characterized as not somebody who would do something like that as a, a rape Liliana, uh, Liana. Well, how do you say Liana? Liana. Yeah, Liana. And uh, and then Peter Baelish, that whole scene was like, oh my gosh, this is. This, are you trying to tell me something? Because I am freaking. I'm eating it up right now. So. Yeah, no, like, uh, you bring up a great point, and I'm glad that you said that as an Unsullied viewer. Uh, The editor of Winter's Coming, Dan, and I were talking with a couple of the other writers last night, and that's exactly what he brought up. He said, I want to see what the Unsullied think about this because as book readers, we know what's going on. We know what they're talking about, and as an Unsullied, you may not know what they're talking about, and I wanted to know if you picked up those subtle hints. Uh, Luke, did you pick it up like Isis did? Did you feel like… They were pointing, giving some foreshadowing, or pointing to a certain direction with Jon Snow. Yeah, but I, th- I think I might be a little biased just because I ha- talk to you so much. If that makes sense. <laughs> like, no, honestly, like, yeah, no, I get you, like I get up till this point, you know, because we talk a lot about it, and we've been doing this uh, podcast for a while and stuff. I feel like, even though I haven't read the books, I feel like I have a lot of outside information that you know maybe like uh like a true unsullied like so like my wife or somebody like that she might not have picked up right i got you i got you so yeah we definitely got a um we got some some storytelling last night which that's another thing that hasn't happened in the series so far uh in fact liana hasn't been mentioned except for in the first season and they they kind of connected the plots together when sansa was in the the winterfell crypts and she picked up the dusty feather, and they showed it in the in the uh, in the previous episodes before the episode started that Robert in the first episode brought the feather to Lyanna's tomb, and that's what he used to do is he would bring her exotic bird feathers, and that was his thing to her. Um, and then to hear Sansa say that, yeah, well that was before Rhaegar raped and kidnapped my aunt, and then Peter kind of smirked at her like. <laughs> You know, I, I almost, I almost, in fact, I shouted it at the TV. I was like, "You know nothing, Sansa." 
I know. Yeah, she really doesn't uh, know a whole lot. But I mean, and no fault of her own. This is just the story that she was told or she had heard. And and so I don't really blame Sansa for for any of that. But let's talk about Peter Baelish's game. Like this motherfucker is hoping on a prayer that Stannis is coming and that he's going to have a bigger army that's going to go ahead and be able to conquer the north that has some freaking cojones if you know well we need to talk about the fact that he's he's such an adept he he adapts to his situation he's a chameleon oh basically like he he like just the episode before he was talking to uh bolton about how Bolton was the warden of the north, and he was the he was the warden of the Vale, or the you know the warden of the West, east, I guess, or wherever that is. And he was the lord of the Vale, and basically they could combine forces and take down the, the strongest dynasty in in Westeros. And and then this episode, he's telling Sansa that hey, Stannis is coming, and he's going to take the Boltons out, and you're going to be the wardeness of the north. So it's like this dude has got crazy game, a. Or B, he's super paranoid and he doesn't know he's he's playing all the angles at one time, like he's putting money on black and red. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think, uh, Luke? Is he putting money on on red and black, or is he as smart as Tyrion? Is he at like a mental level capacity as Tyrion? I think that he's up there. I think probably as far as the as far as the show goes, he's probably the smartest man in Westeros. Because we we're just I mean Tyrion's smart and he's cunning and crafty and all that kind of stuff, but like when he went all you know Professor X reading people's minds in the boat, like that was probably one of the first times we've seen him do that. So I I say he's he's just smarter than everybody. That also comes from some comments on the Winter Is Coming uh, website, like the comments there was some troll on there who was uh, um, complaining that. Uh, or no, no, it was a tweet. It was a tweet, I think, in a reply to Winter is Coming that that the that the show Littlefinger is like infinitely dumber than the uh, than the book Littlefinger. So wow, and see, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Like I don't. That person who said that obviously doesn't know what they're talking about because Littlefinger well, from hey, the show they hashtagged it with read the books. So I'm oh, they've been obviously they knew that they were talking yeah, about. Yeah, so I, I took this I, gospel. I rescind my comment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about King's Landing for a little bit and Cersei basically arming the Faith Militant, the Sparrows. That was crazy. Uh, she's arming so a the, hate group. She's arming a hate group of religious nuts who went through King's Landing, smashed all the liquor barrels, smashed all the false false idols of false gods as they weren't the seven and then went to the brothels and committed hate crimes. <laughs> and They're going to do like... a boardwalk empire crossover episode in t- next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically that's what, that's what this is. And, uh, so Nucky Thompson's going to come on next episode and he's going to try to get smuggle <laughs> booze into King's Landing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I always hated this part in the books. I hate the Faith Militant. I've always hated them. Uh, I don't know if it's my personal past with religion that I know some – my personal experiences with religion, uh, or I just think that religious fanaticism like that has no place. And 
they're so horrible. And Cersei, she does this in the books, but she doesn't do it. I feel like there's no context here. Like, I don't know if you guys realize how powerful the High Sparrow is. So as Unsullied, I, I want to get your guys' opinion. Do you feel like the High Sparrow story has been set up sufficiently? Do you know who he is? No. Do you know where he comes from and why he's there? And do you know – like, do you feel like you know his story enough to think that – to know even what the Faith Militant is? No. The, no. The, the the first time that we knew about that he even existed was uh, when Cersei went to went to meet him the first time. Last episode. Yeah, I mean, it fits in. So for me, it 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 sort of made sense because it fits in with like this overarching theme of the characters using religion to their own personal advantage, um, mm-hmm. like with Melisandre and Stannis, um, and then Arya in the House of Black and White, and then now you've got. Yeah. Um, now you've got Cersei doing it, but I—I I mean, why? Like to me, she just decides to go there. Uh, like all of a sudden, it was really awkward for me when she decided to go talk to him. It, I immediately knew that, or at least I think, because it was there was no setup that um, that she's not sincere in. Well, Cersei is never sincere right. in anything that she does. First of all. Uh, she goes to the Faith Militant in the books. She does the same thing, but she goes to High Sparrow to get rid of the – it's as a plot device to get rid of the Tyrells uh, from power uh, because basically since Tywin's death, the Tyrells have inserted themselves into King's Landing and the power structure, not just the Tyrells themselves but like family members and bannermen are powerful, and Lord Tyrell has a lot of power. Now, this whole – plot of sending Mace Tyrell to Bravos to to uh, dicker with the uh, Iron Bank. That's new to me, and I, I, I know because I've, I've, I've seen what happens later on with this. I know what's going to happen. Um, I know why they're doing it, but Mace Tyrell, he is a bumbling idiot, but he's not such a bumbling idiot in the book, and the actor that plays him does an amazing job because he he doesn't have to do anything. You just have to look at his face and go, man, this guy is is special. He's <laughs> he's definitely this guy. This guy he he wicks he licks a lot of windows basically. He, we- <laughs> he wears a, he wears a football helmet to school <laughs> Lick, even when there's not. Licks windows. He licks windows. He licks, he's a window licker. I'm just saying, Mace Tyrell. That must be is something just, exclusive to Arkansas. Yeah, that must. <laughs> Mace Tyrell is is one of those guys who is a bumbling idiot, and they kind of overdo it in the show. He's kind of a cartoonish character, uh, but the High Sparrow. To st- take a step back, the High Sparrow is basically a Septon who rose to power and came to King's Landing. He brought the bodies of of raped Septas and dead and burned ashes of Septons and and Sparrows. To the uh, the sept of Baylor, and lays him out in front of the sept, and tries to get attention from the high septon. Well, the high septon, as you guys saw on the show, is a skeevy, creepy guy, and and he gets his comeuppance. And the new the new faith, the the new sparrows, they they basically elect this guy as their high sparrow. Excuse me, my mic kind of went to the side there for a second. Anyway, they uh they elect this guy as their new high septon. Anyway. 
Cersei always comes to him. He never comes to her, and that's one thing I do not like. Like he makes a point never to come to her. In fact, whenever she calls him to come to court, he sends his septus, and she's always kind of pissed that he never comes to her. Well, last night he's in her her solar her her office basically, and they're talking. So that kind of I don't know, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because in the books, the high, set, the high Sparrow holds a lot of power, like a lot of power. And Cersei, just like in the show, she unwittingly gives him so much power that he uses it ultimately against her and against everybody. So uh, that's where we're headed with the, with the new High Sparrow. Uh, he's, he's a smart man, and he's a thousand times more clever than Cersei gives him credit for. So I'm glad to hear that you guys didn't pick up on it because, again, I felt like they rushed that storyline. And, you know, there's only 10 episodes a season, so they have to kind of speed things up. But uh, they could have they could have done a – they could have started episode one with the High Sparrow, I guess. Maybe I'd have been happier with. Well, I but, uh, felt that they were like a super smart version of the Westboro P- Baptist Church. I, I mean <laughs> – that's like the only thing like I could. There's no, to. there's no smart versions of the Westboro Baptist. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that in Westeros, in this pretend place, that this was like a, you know, where that they are cunning enough to go ahead and use other people to go ahead and, and meet their own needs, while still going ahead and, you know, perpetuating all these hate crimes and stuff. So, um, I, I thought that was that was pretty interesting, um, especially given all the things that. Cersei has done. I mean, the bitch can't be throwing no stones in glass houses because oh, man. she's she's as dirty as they come. <clears throat> exactly. Well, we saw when uh, when what's his name uh, shows up to talk to the High Sparrow. All of his followers knew that he was. They started screaming at him like, uh, like, like yeah, born out of sin or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Tommen showed up. Yeah, yeah of course. Calling him, calling him incestuous bastard and all that kind of stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and Tommen and I like Tommen. I've always liked Tom, and in the books he's much younger, but he's he's cute and he's funny, and he he's he likes to like the things he likes to do are funny. He likes to he likes to affix the king's seal to things, so he likes to sign his name, and it's, so they just throw things in front of him, and he signs things away, like he signs whole castles and lands away because he likes to sign his name to things. Anyway, uh, Tommen is a good character. I like him. I like the fact that I like the actor that's playing him in this season and and last season. Um, I was excited that he got laid last episode for him. You know, like good, good job, buddy. Uh, but I feel like we are in for some bad, bad, troubled waters ahead for Tommen and his new wife, uh, Marjorie. Uh, Isis, let me ask you this question, Isis. If if your new husband refused to get your brother out of jail and he had the power to, are you cutting him off? Hell's yes. <laughs> Look, you know, one of those things that I and I've always said this and my husband's always said this that, you know, one of those things that is conditional is uh as the love of a spouse. That's always conditional. Even though people say, "Oh, I love him unconditionally." Bullshit. He could cheat on you and that would be the end of it, okay? Uh, you know, he could like not get your brother out of jail. And that would be the end of it. But the love of your your immediate family and your children are something that's unconditional. Uh, that's an interesting take. 
<laughs> okay. And uh, it's like, <laughs> I don't want to say you're wrong, but that was interesting. Um, but, you know, that's the way I feel about it is that you can, you can love a spouse, but it's always con- it always comes with conditions and stuff like that. Um, and she can't really be upset at him because he is a young boy. He, he really doesn't know how to stand up for himself and everything. So she can't be completely mad at him at the situation. The person that she needs to be mad at is her sister, her, her mother-in-law. Um, that's the person who she needs to direct her her anger to, but she doesn't have enough uh, enough force. To, yeah, she doesn't have enough force to go ahead and confront her right now. And and Cersei has strategically placed herself well enough away from the situation to where she can't be blamed. Like she told Tommen, "Oh, that wasn't me. I didn't have him in prison. It's not me who has him in in the jails. Uh, it's the Sparrow. Blah blah blah. You know." And Tommen Tommen's young enough. And dumb enough to believe his mom. So. Well, but he, he, she admitted to you know giving him, giving the sparrow the arms and and those people the arms and stuff like that. But yeah, he he's not one. He's not going to get into an argument with his mother, and then he's not going to go ahead and get an argument or get into a fight or or have his people kill the sparrows people uh, to get his brother in law. He's just not going to do it. He's like that non confrontational guy that you know he just wants all like peace and love and. You know. this, see, here's the thing. At this point, I feel like Westeros is begging for a new king. Like they've had, they've had a run of really bad kings. Like they had the Mad King, then they went to the Drunk King with Robert Baratheon, then they went to the Cruel King with uh, Joffrey, and now they have the Dumb King with Tommen. And it's like, you know, pick your poison. But I guess Let's, don't call him dumb. Say immature. Okay, immature. You're right. I'll say immature. I'll, I apologize, Tommen. I'll say dumb. <laughs> I'll say dumb. Okay. I'll let Luke say you're dumb. Yeah. I, I, you're, you're right. He could be immature. He's, he's goofy. He's immature. He's, he doesn't. He's, he's inexperienced, basically. Uh, like his that look on his face last night. And Luke, I thought about you whenever this happened. I was like, man, Luke's got to be laughing whenever he goes. Oh, so are you coming? Are you coming back tonight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, 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 uh, um, uh, when she says when she's leaving and she says, what did she say? Oh. I need to spend time with my family. My wife looks right at me and goes, he ain't getting none. <laughs> That's exactly like, what my – May as well call him King Blue Balls until he gets your brother out of jail. Tommen of the Blue Balls. Yeah, yeah pretty much. No, yeah, yeah, that was – so, I felt so bad for him because all he wanted was to have more sexy time. Yeah, he'll learn. He'll learn. He'll learn. Like if he knew, if he knew that that was the consequence, the the high sparrow would his head would be on a stake. Oh, on the outside absolutely. of the wall. Like, absolutely. That confrontation, like if he knew what was at stake, like when he walked up to the thing, everybody would be dead. So you felt he like that- he was unprepared. He was like set oh, up for failure. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Let that if let Tom, that same knew- that same confrontation happen a week. From now, when he's got none for a week, that's a totally different kingdom. It's like he's going to basically – he'll turn into the man that he needs to be, like her withholding. Yeah. Uh, it'll be like uh, like that one episode of Seinfeld where uh, Costanza <laughs> – <laughs> you know, becomes uh, becomes celibate, and he's like, you know, yes. his mind just opens. He becomes a super genius. That's basically what's going to happen. I I kind of I kind of feel like you know Tommen's had a had 
a taste of what it's like to be a married man, like he had sex for the first time, and, and with a beautiful woman like Marjorie. And now, but for the next week or so, for however long it's going to take to settle the problems with the High Sparrow and Loris, he's going to be sleeping with uh, Lady Left Hand and Lady, lady Right Hand. So he's, he's basically he, – he's going to be really missing Marjorie towards the end of this. And I feel like King's Landing would be burned to the ground if he knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He, he, he would destroy everything to fix that problem. But uh so we've talked enough about the high sparrow. Let's talk about the sand snakes. Isis, give me your take on the sand snakes. Love them. Love. Love like love them. Like when I saw them, I was just like these are some badass chicks. These are my people. These are these are my people. Like like we could be like we could be BFFs like seriously. And when she took that that uh, I don't know what do you call it like a javelin. It's not a javelin. A spear. But, yeah, a spear. the spear. And she like freaking just like got it right in that guy's face. I was like, oh my god, she is so awesome. But obviously these are all half sisters, so they don't all have the same mother. And and basically you know he. <laughs> Go ahead. I believe two of on the show, two of them have the same mother. Oh, okay. Two of them, there wasn't two clear of them. In the Obara, show. Obara, Obara on the show is the two other two's half sister, but in the books they're all from different mothers, and like it's yeah, basically Oberyn dipped his wick in everything, so like he he got everybody pregnant in Dorne, so yeah, like he has children all over Dorne, and that's why they call them the Sand Snakes because there's so many of them. Uh, and they're for the Red Viper's children. But um, I knew you would like them. My only problem was I don't know. I think I felt like – and Luke, let me get your opinion on this. I felt like they really built up the Sand Snakes a whole bunch, and that scene was really quick, and that's all we got. And I kind of felt let down. Uh, how, did you, how did you feel? A, a little bit. Um, you were sort of like – well <laughs> – I, yeah, I, I was disappointed too. I didn't like the I I didn't like the actors, the actresses. <gasps> yeah, no, that, that was a big complaint. A lot of people online, especially like Reddit, roasted them. Yeah, like, I mean they might get. I mean it might get better, but I didn't initially like them. I mean I like the idea. I like the idea of their characters. Um, oh yeah, you know in the yeah. role that they're going to play, but I didn't necessarily like them as actresses. Um, but you really only had. Like you know, thirty seconds, and one was a was like, and all practically all of that was a monologue, you know, by the one yeah. ugly one. So uh, <laughs> that is so messed up. <laughs> what? You are so lucky we do not live in the same town. I swear. I don't understand. Okay, Which... so first of all, literally, it, well, I don't know about literally, but it felt like it was a scene, five minute scene, and a forty five minute show. So you're talking about a very, very small window of conversation. Um, I felt like yeah, it was it was very quick, it was right? very sure. very quick, and it was it was more to me. I felt like an introduction of who they are, not hey, you know, now we're gonna go ahead and really start their plot line. You know, I really felt like this was like okay, hey, we know that uh, Jamie's on on the island because the pirate or whatever guy said so or whatever. Are we in on this? Are we like? Are we gonna go? Yeah, one, two, three. We're gonna go ahead and you know kill um, the daughter of of uh, Cersei. And uh, I thought that was really, really 
honestly really good. Uh, the girl who plays Obara, she's actually I, I've seen her in a couple of other different things. The other actress is she was that the whale prince, the whale tamer or whale whisperer. Yeah. What the hell was that movie? She was in a movie where she was a whale. I have no idea. Somebody. She's from New, I think New Zealand. And she didn't she play Mary? Yes, the the mother of Christ or whatever yes. in one movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I I really do like her as an actress. I think she's really really good. And then when you have, um, I guess it would I don't know. Would you call her like the like stepmom? I don't know. Yeah, I guess uh, you could call her that. Alaria, Alaria. Yeah. Um, I, with her at the helm, you know, basically kind of guiding these girls to go ahead and not, I don't want to say do their bidding, but do her bidding, but to avenge their father. I think nothing but awesomeness can come to this. I think that people should not judge the Sand Snakes in the five minutes that you got to see them. Um, well, see, there again, I think you have to blame the showrunners for that because I think at episode four, is too late to introduce the Sand Snakes. I think they should have been introduced at least in episode one or two, where maybe a brief, maybe this scene should have happened in episode two, where they're talking like they're all. They don't. Maybe they don't have to mention Jamie because he hasn't come over yet. But maybe they're plotting against Marcella and the Lannisters. Well, like, give us something. Give us some context for people who haven't read the books. And so all this build up to the Sand Snakes, like Entertainment Weekly did a big cover on them. HBO's done a big. Thing on there. Any any Game of Thrones website has covered them extensively. Yeah. And then to have a five minute show where it's just basically, uh, yeah, here's my monologue, and I'm gonna throw a spear to this guy's head. Ha ha. Well, yeah. I think like, I, I think that this this scene probably would have been really great after um Alara had went to see um Oberyn's brother, and when he said, "Look, I'm not gonna have a war. I'm not gonna do this." This would have been a perfect opportunity to. Earn, you know, insert this last, like this little bit um, to kind of introduce, hey, these are the Sand Snakes, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're not going to get any help from Oberyn's uh, brother, who's the king or the prince, I guess. Um, and we're just going to have to go on, go in at this on our own. I think that would have been more appropriate. Well, OK, yeah, I can see that. But I guess I guess what I'm going to do for now, from now on until it gets better, I'm just going to say that Jamie and the, and the Sand Snakes is basically the princess bride. On a cheaper budget because that's what it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> when, when, she, when she rolls up in the horse, like you want to see, I was like, oh, we're gonna see the sand snakes, and it's like <laughs> there's three poles in the ground, like an old sheet over the top of it. There's no place to sit, and this is like their their headquarters. I was like, yeah, like, that's another thing that like, really. I, I was kind of annoyed. It was like they got to the end of it, and they were like, oh crap, we got to show everybody the sand snakes. And they were like, when they like got like three extras, they were like, hey, you guys come over here, stand, say these words. <laughs> like, well, I'll tell you what made them so awesome in the books. Their introduction in the books was a million times better because here's how they were introduced in the books. They came to Dorian Martell, the brother of. of Oberyn, and each one petitioned him at a different time to go kill the Lannisters and march on, on King's Landing. And each of them had a different story. Like, Obara came, she's like, uh, and she told the same story. When my father came to get me from my mother in, in Old Town, he threw a spear at my feet and told me, you know, blah, 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 tears, blah, 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 and she has a spear, and he takes her. And then Nymeria, she's like, and my, she's like, and he taught me how to do this, poisons, blah blah blah, and she's like, I can, I can slip some poison into the young queen, and she can die, blah blah blah, and like they each petition Doran a different way, and he gets fed up, like he gets tired of them all because all they do is 
like constantly regale him with like they're basically begging him to allow them to go attack the Lannisters. And here on the show, you're right. They're sitting out there on the beach in the middle of the sand under some tents chilling with one pillow. I'm watching the episode now as we talk. There's one pillow under the tent, and it's like, ah, come on. Is this the best headquarters you could get? They spent all their they spent all their money in Danny's castle. <laughs> yeah, probably. So. Yeah, one one too so. many dragon scenes. They were like, oh, we're gonna have to cut back. Sand snakes, you can stand. Well, since since you brought up Danny, let's let's start talking about uh, the the stupid dorm because I know we've all seemed to be split on it. Although I will say one more thing, uh, Obara's nipples on her on her leather breast, breastplate was kind of like. A little bit disturbing. I felt like I was watching uh, one of the bad Batman, like George Clooney Batman. Oh, we had nipples on his breast. Yeah. I was like, is it, is it really necessary to give her nipples? It's <laughs> um, a really cool line. There's a really cool line from the from the books where it was cold Tyrion's, out there, man. You don't know. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess it's cold and dorn. Uh, in, in the middle of the desert, it's really cold, I guess. Uh, but uh, Tyrion has a line in the books where he says, "That's about as useless as nipples on a breastplate," and this comes in. Perfectly. So anyway, uh, let's go to uh, Meereen, where, man, a lot of shit went down last night in Meereen. Uh, you have you have uh, Barristan telling Danny the story of her her brother Rhaegar, how he would go to the to the down to the streets and as a as a, like a uh, a performer, and he would play for money, and then he would give it away to charities or go get drunk on it. And he would sing, and Barristan would guard him, and it was a big thing, and it was a soft and tender moment. And as soon as he said that, I looked at my wife and I said, yep, this is where Barristan dies. Because any show, anytime a guy gives a monologue like that where he's like recalling like a fond memory of how awesome it was, and then he goes off by himself, he's going to die. Let's just put it out there, okay? So, yeah, and, and just for anybody who's guessing, yes, Barristan did die last night. The actor went on, went on Entertainment Weekly last night, as soon as the episode was over, did an interview, and he said, yes, that was my last scene. I died last night. Uh, so Barristan's dead, and they showed his body on a, on a in, in state, I guess, and, and Danny's mourning his body. So it's not like it's a big spoiler, but people were like, I don't think Barristan's dead. I think I think it's like a they're tricking him. Yeah, no, no I totally well, thought he was dead. See, I, I didn't. I, I thought that he was still alive because they had the scene where – uh, one of the the sons of Harpy was about to cut his throat, and then yeah. Grey Worm saved him from that. And I'm like, right. well, if they had an opportunity to have like a full on close up of somebody's throat getting slit, they're going to take that unless they want the guy to live. Right. Here's my biggest problem. Here, here's my biggest problem with this is um and and again, please excuse me for my book purist rants. You can read my rants on Winter's Coming called Razor's Rants. I have a rant every week. Here is another rant I'm going to talk about. The Barrist in the Bold of the books does not even equal Barrist in the Bold in, in the show. Now, Barrist in the Bold in the books, he's a badass. He wears his own Queensguard armor when he's protecting Danny, and it's badass. He doesn't go anywhere without protection. Like He's always, he's always got people with him. He's always guarded. He never leaves Danny's side unless she tells him to leave. He would have never walked down into Meereen, into a city where they already know that people are being attacked openly, and walked without armor or without a guard. He would have never done that. Secondly, Barrison is one of the most storied knights in all of Westeros. And if you remember correctly, in the in the I guess the first season or second season, 
it was the sec- well, the first season. First season, uh, Joffrey commands him to retire, basically, and he tells the entire Kingsguard, "If I wanted to, I could cut you all down and kill him before any of you could blink." And he's tr- he's not he's not lying. Barristan is a badass, and he could kill everybody and anybody. So I had a problem with a bunch of untrained cowards hiding behind Mardi Gras masks. Killing the baddest ass knight in all of Westeros. It just bothered me like that. And he, you know, although he took a bunch of Harpy sons with him, he killed a bunch of the sons of Harpy. Him and Grey Worm went out like bosses. Now, I don't think Grey Worm's dead. I think Grey Worm's probably close to death. Uh, I don't know for sure. I could be surprised next week and Grey Worm could be dead. I'm not going to lie. The whole entire time I was saying, please not Grey Worm. No. Please not Grey Worm. My wife and I, listen, I stood up. I stood up during the battle. And I was like, no, no, no. Yes. (laughs) Because Grey Worm is one of my favorite characters from the books and the show. And I was like, no, 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 no. So, like, I was actually yelling at the TV and my wife was yelling at the TV like, it was it was crazy. Yeah. Like we were we, we were that couple last night yelling at the TV. I was and, yelling uh, at the TV. My husband was like, "Okay, enough." But that was a badass battle scene. Uh, it was. It was a great battle scene. I mean, but I felt like, yo, I thought these unsullied were badasses, and I felt like these, yeah. you know, these people who came up in the red, you know, uh, mask and stuff like that, are all these like little rich little pansies and stuff. They are. And I was like, where did they learn how to fight and take down Unsullied? I mean, it's one thing if you go ahead and take down Unsullied and they're not expecting it because they're, you know, asleep or, uh, you know, behind their back that or would, something like that. That would never, that doesn't happen and it would never happen in the book. Yeah, but never. when you go ahead and take them head on, they're going to freaking wreck your dick. And I was just but, like, but, yeah. that is not even right and so i kept on looking for gray worm and then when he takes his his helmet off there he is and he's you know wrecking dicks and then he gets <laughs> freaking stabbed and i just i mean i felt it in my stomach he's he's a no dick wrecking dicks like he like he the guy here's my biggest problem is the unsullied are storied and legend and then it's the same thing with barristan the unsullied are the most feared warriors in all of essos they're even more feared than the Dothraki because there's a famous story that a, a huge Kalasar went to attack one of the major cities. I think it was Karth or Astapor, one of the major cities, and the Unsullied came out of the city and stood in rank and file and defended the city after attack after attack after attack from the from the uh, from the Dothraki. So even even the Dothraki, who are known warriors. Fear of the unsullied. So how in the hell is a group of skanky, slithering, coward pussies in mask taking down an entire battalion of unsullied? It annoys the crap out of me. Uh, but I guess uh, this is where I have to take my grain of salt and say, okay, the show is not the books. They're separate entities. You know, maybe the unsullied aren't as badass, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. But uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Luke, did you feel the same way? Did you kind of feel like the Unsullied got a kind of a yeah. bad rep last night? Yeah, I was I was, uh, I was, was very disappointed that a lot of them got killed. But I, I, but I did sort of like take a step back and I was like, okay, traditional battles and stuff, maybe, they're, maybe they are, you know, the best ever. But this was like, you know, they're standing in – 
which close quarters. Yeah, like close quarters. Which that that, that place is freaking crowded, man. Like I, every time and then, they, and every, the unsullied the unsullied use of spears. So you're right. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, well, that that whole place, Marine. Like every time they do like oh, a yeah. like a, um, a a shot there. I feel claustrophobic. I'm like, everything is like so crammed in tight. And, you know, the guys are just dressed regular. You know, they just come up behind somebody and stab them. You know, I can kind of see it, but I, I definitely wanted the Unsullied to be like they were at the beginning uh, when we first meet them. And they're just like, you know, superhuman almost. Yeah, really. And the thing about the Unsullied is um, they're just badass because they'd have no fear. And I guess none of them showed fear last night. They like Grey Worm fought until he could not, he could no longer stand, and he killed the last son of the harpy. But can we just talk about that one dirty hooker who keeps who keeps tricking guys into being having their throats slit? Like it was the same hooker last night who tricked the second son, Dario's guys, into getting their throats slit in the open market. It's like, can somebody please put like a tracker on her and take her out? Like somebody needs to kill her. I'm so tired of her already. Yeah, Grey so, Worm's girlfriend needs to freaking kill her ass for, oh, for like, getting her man all hurt and shit. Yeah, she needs to wreck her. I'm watching the scene right now, Luke. You're right. Like, the the Sons of the Harpy, they have, like, short daggers and short swords. The, the Unsullied have spears, which are, you know, more awkward in shorter spaces. So it's not as easy to, to turn them. In. But Grey, Grey Worm, man, he uses his, like, a fucking... Badass, like he's the best. Man. The best kill that he had was when uh, was when he killed the guy that was on the ground with his spear, and the spear was still sticking up. And then he pushed the other guy on top of it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I yes. Was like that's awesome. Way to recycle. Yeah. <laughs> Reduce, <laughs> reuse, and recycle. <laughs> exactly. Gray worms going green, y'all. <laughs> So what have we not talked about? Anything big from last night that you guys wanted to talk about that we haven't hit on yet? Isis? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think we covered pretty much everything. I mean, you know, I really – oh, something we did not talk about. We did mention about Jon Snow, but the fact that he was um, writing letters to all of the, um, you know, lords. Lord lords. Yeah, and yeah. then he was asking – he was actually signing his name to the one that was going to um, Boltons. the Boltons and yeah. how disgusted he was. I mean, I felt so bad for him. I mean, I would – I would almost not want to sign my name just because if if they know who who's up there, they mm. would probably not send anybody anyway. You're probably right. So no, you're right. why even well, bother there's, there's asking? Gonna, you know what I mean? There, I, th- I think the reason that they showed that particular scene is there's going to be a scene from the books where this this will play out. So I think we'll see something that's more – more, it's it'll tie this scene in towards the end of the series, yeah. I believe. In the season, anyway. Uh, so I think I think what's tying this all together for me is the scenes coming from next week's episode. Is we clearly see Danny looking at one of her dragons, mm-hmm. and he's breathing fire. Um, we clearly in the see books, Tyrion seeing the we, dragon. <laughs> we see Tyrion. On the boat, seeing Drogon fly. Well, I'm assuming it's Drogon. It could be any of the dragons at this point. We don't know what happens next episode. Um, we see a dragon fly over the top, and it's a fucking huge dragon. I'm, so I'm assuming it's Drogon because he's the largest of the three dragons. Man, I'm watching Barristan die right now, and it just hurts. Oh, God, it kills me every time. Anyway, uh, so 
we see Danny looking at her dragons. I think the fact that the show allowed so many of her unsullied to die and Sir Barristan to die, because he's not dead in the books yet, guys. He's still alive. So this was a shock to me. Uh, to see and Grey Worm to be close to death. And I'm watching the scene right now. Grey Worm's got a crap ton of blood pooling underneath him. So he's definitely hurting. Uh, so maybe maybe Danny sees this as a reason to unleash her dragons on the mirroring. I think that this plus the talk that Dario had with her where he said uh, a dragon queen is not a queen without her dragons. Maybe this wakes her up a little bit. Um I don't know that this will be the whole entire reason that she unleashes her dragons. Maybe there will be a moment down the line in the next six episodes where we see the dragons unleashed. Uh, because in the books, they do get unleashed, but they come unleashed with a character that's not even in the show. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm completely going to be shocked. I don't know who's going to do it, but I feel the dragons will be unleashed soon. So I think, I think we're getting set up. Next week will be episode five. That'll be the midpoint of the season, and usually in the midpoint around episode five or episode six, some big game-changing moment happens. Uh, some would say that last night's Barristan's death was a game-changer. I don't think so. I think we're still going to see something bad, something dirty happen. So you don't think that's, that's going to be the catalyst? That no, I, th- I think something big – well, it may be the catalyst that lets Danny let her dragons out of the pit. I don't know that it will, yeah. but I would I could see it happening. Uh, I think that I think what we're looking at here is another episode, maybe episode five, where I'm watching I'm watching the scenes from next week right now. Um, Ramsey's clearly threatening Sansa, so <laughs> uh, or there's a voiceover where Ramsey says, "Have you forgotten who I am?" or something like that. So. Mm, we, we might get to see some some dirty Bolton tricks next episode. Uh, so, and we see Stannis' army marching. We see Tyrion watching that huge dragon fly overhead. And Jorah's the look on Jorah's face is is really classic too. Like he's like, oh my god, the dragons are loose. So, next episode should be. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and call it now. I think episode five will be a game changer. Um. So that's all we've got for now. Um, thanks again for listening to Take the Black. Uh, once again, my name is Razor. You can find me on Twitter at house underscore Razor. You can find my co-host Isis on Twitter at I-J-M-E-L-T-O-N, or you can find me on Tumblr, superhero-omightyisis. Isis, do you have any last words for this episode? Uh, I can't wait until next week. Uh, we get to see Tyrion and Danny, and a very emotional and probably erratic Danny, uh, come mm. with uh, a very, you know, I guess very smart Tyrion. He's focused. He's off the booze. So I think this is going to be very, <laughs> very interesting to see these two worlds kind of collide together and see them kind of wreck some dicks. Wrecking dicks. Luke, tell where people can find find you on Twitter, and what are your last thoughts on the episode? I'm on Twitter at Turner Luke. That's at T U R N E R L U K E. And uh, I I'm excited. The I was excited when I saw the dragon breathing fire because this whole time I've been very nervous for Daenerys. Like she already killed an entire Dothraki army single handedly. Um, so I was, especially after this episode, I was worried about the Unsullied. She's going to kill all <laughs> of them too. 
and then <laughs> she she does. So you're blaming you're blaming her for that Dothraki dying? Who? Yeah, so of course it's the reason Dothraki died. They <laughs> so were following Dan- her. She she. So you're saying Danny Danny is the is the Essos version of Sansa? So far, is that what you're saying? So far, I mean, that's what the evidence suggests. Okay, um, all right. So anyway, so she's and slowly, you know, she's allowing the Unsullied to die. She has she has no control over her dragons. Like if the dragons get loose, what is she gonna do? Like nothing. So, but he was breathing fire, and they kind of—I don't know if they just cut it this way, but it kind of looked like it was like shooting fire at her. So I'm hoping he gets the the big dragon, drag the big dragon named Dragon, um, gets pissed and like tries to like torture, and then she's still standing there going, "What? Oh, you didn't know? I'm fireproof." And then he's going to kind of like, yeah, he's going to call somebody. (laughs) He's going to kind of cock his head to the side and go, huh? And then she's going to reach from behind and pull out a Japanese dub VHS version of How to Train Your Dragons 2. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's just going to like cut to black. What happened to Jorah in all this? Oh, I don't I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) honestly man i'm so over jor mormont right now like i know that they're bringing him back to mirroring because barrison's dead now and danny needs her at close advisors and (laughs) but i'm so over sir friend zone i would i wish i would love nothing more that like she's like she tells him look asshole i told you to leave and you you came back i guess you have a death wish i'm gonna fucking (laughs) kill you now that would be awesome yeah but I think that's not going to happen. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, guys, that's it for the show. Once again, thanks for listening. We are Take the Black, and we will talk to you next week. Love you. Bye.